Thank you to the worship team. Sorry, there was an iPad right there. So today, um, I want us to pray before I share this word with you. Um, and I want us, you know, for the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts uh, so that we can listen to this word and not forget, but plant it, plant it into our hearts so that when we need it, we can remember it and apply it into our lives. So today, I want to speak on the subject of the encouragement you will never hear. I think encouragement is very important. I think we should always be encouraging one another all the time. I think no matter where people are in life, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, your mentality should be, how can I add value to other people? But sometimes uh, we are the ones who need that encouragement. So I want us to pray and... Um, and I'm going to be sharing from the book of Matthew, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, because you always speak to us on time and even out of time, Lord God. Um, you bring your word into our lives. I pray, Lord God, for this message. I pray for anybody who specifically needs to hear this message today. I pray that you build them up. I pray that you encourage them. I pray, Lord God, that they will not look at the circumstances surrounding them. But I pray that today they leave this building, Lord God, feeling empowered, feeling encouraged. That even though the circumstances may give us a different message, Lord God, but your word tells us how you are with us and how you are encouraging us through your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 4 to verse 7. And I want to speak to you a little bit about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was the third cousin of Jesus. From the Old Testament, starting in the book of Isaiah, the prophet starts talking about a man who is going to prepare the way for Jesus Christ to start his ministry. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet says that John the Baptist was going to be the preparer, the one who was going to prepare the way, fix things, make a way, open the door, announce the coming of Jesus Christ, and introduce the ministry of Jesus to the people of the time. As you already know, Jesus and John the Baptist, uh, they were cousins. And I don't know if you have cousins. I believe you do. I have a lot of cousins. And as cousins, we love cousins like brothers and sisters, right? We grow up as cousins hearing about our parents' uh, adventures, how our parents met, about our uncles and other cousins in the other side of the world. So as cousins... We know our lives very well. I know the lives of my cousins. I, I know we grew up together with a lot of them. We grew up 
you know, from a distance, but I still know about them. So the relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist is a very unique relationship. John the Baptist knows that his ministry is centered about the life of Jesus. And one day, while John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River, Jesus shows up and starts walking towards the river and comes to John the Baptist and says, I want to be baptized. Now, I want you to see what was John the Baptist feeling when he sees Jesus from the distance. John says, there you have him, the Lamb of God, the one I've been telling you guys about. This is it. He is the man. This is the one that I've been announcing all of this time that I baptize you with water, in water. But this man right here, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, and with fire of God. So think about it. It was like the greatest moment in John the Baptist's life because... He grew up for this specific ministry, for this specific purpose, when it's, 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 a, it's the greatest moment in his life. It's like, you know, when you are graduating from high school or from college. Um, when I was graduating, you know, from college, um, the graduation, you know, was beautiful. And I've never been in a graduation here, but I was excited, you know, oh my gosh, I made it. Uh, oh, Lord, and I was so happy in my graduation. And, and when we finished, you know, the graduation, everybody started going, you know, with their families. And, and I started looking back and around and, and just trying to pretend, you know, that, you know, I was just walking. So everybody left and I stayed by myself, you know, in the building, in the church. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's time. So I go back to my car, and I have a Honda Civic. Everything is in my car. Um, so I don't know where to go because I already graduated. I didn't have any family. So I'm like, okay, God, I graduated from school. Here's my car. So where do I go? Do I go north? I didn't have a plan. But I was so excited because my dream of graduating from college took place on that day. And this is John the Baptist Day. It is the day that he is introducing Jesus to the world. It is the Savior of the world. It is the promise given to the people of Israel that Jesus was coming into the world to preach about the kingdom. So it is a big deal. And then Jesus gets baptized, you know. And not only that, but you see uh, in the Gospels that the Holy Spirit came down to Jesus uh, in a form of a bird. And then you hear a voice from heaven that says, this is my son with whom I am so happy. Uh, listen to him. So it was a wonderful day. But 16 months later, John the Baptist, fast forward, is in a different situation. He's actually in jail, in jail. He's in prison. He's in chains. He preached against Herod because Herod had taken his brother's wife and made her his wife. And John the Baptist preached about how, the, how that was wrong. So Herod took John the Baptist and put him in jail. And now uh, John the Baptist uh, wasn't free anymore. He wasn't doing any of the things that he was doing. 
Herod's wife was very angry at John the Baptist because she felt embarrassed. She felt humiliated because people would follow John the Baptist. And John told this woman and Herod, what you guys are doing is wrong in the eyes of God. How can you take the wife of your brother, marry her, you know, by force, leaving your brother aside? That is so wrong. So this woman was extremely angry and she wanted to have John the Baptist executed. So one time when there was a party and a big dinner in the palace... Herod got very drunk. And just to give you an idea of of how much perversion there was in this woman, she sent her her daughter so that she would dance in an exotic way before the king and the people that were at that party. So she went and danced. And whatever moves this girl used, whatever she did in front of the king, in front of the king, pleased the king so much that The king, when he was drunk and he saw the show, he turned around and he told his wife, I am so pleased with what you have given me today. I am so happy, so impressed. And look, I want to, whatever you ask me right now, I want to give it to you. I can give you up to half of the kingdom if you want to. And the woman had an answer ready. She said, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Now, before that happened, John the Baptist, when he was in jail, he probably started to feel that, what am I doing here in chains? Isn't my cousin Jesus? Isn't he the one that I was supposed to introduce into the world as our Savior, as our King? But now I'm here in jail, tied down with chains. So John the Baptist sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he was really the one that was supposed to come or if he was to wait for somebody else. Because we have the tendency to start questioning whether God is with us or where God even exists when things don't go as expected. Or when we believe that things shouldn't be negatively in our lives Working in a negative way, we start to question whether God really does have a purpose for us or not. So these two disciples went to look for Jesus in a village. And while Jesus, you know, was preaching, they were observing what Jesus was doing. And Jesus was doing miracles. You know, a deaf person would come or several deaf person people would come and Jesus would touch them and they would see. Mute people would come, you know, who couldn't walk or who couldn't hear. Uh, you know, people would touch them and they would get healed. Even people were bringing dead relatives to Jesus. Jesus was raising people up from the death. And these two disciples from John the Baptist, they come to Jesus and they bring the message and says, uh, Lord or, or Rabbi, uh, our master John wants to know if you are really the Messiah, if you are really the one. Jesus didn't say yes, you know, to them. But Jesus said, I want you to go and tell John the Baptist 
everything that is happening right now. Go and tell him that the people who can't see, who are blind, are seeing. Go ahead and tell them that people who are dead, they're being raised from the death. Go ahead and tell them that people who can't walk because they have a disability or, or whatever, you know, they just can't walk. They're paralyzed. They are being restored. Go ahead and tell them that demon-possessed people, they are being delivered. Go ahead and tell them all the things that are happening in this place. And the disciples left. Now, while on the other hand, you know, this thing about executing John the Baptist, you know, was happening. And I want to read the chapter 11, 4 to 7. But I want to center myself in verse 7. Because I want you to see what happens. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 says, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In verse 7, I want you to pay attention to this. As John's disciples were leaving Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John as those disciples were leaving. So I think it, 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 this story is like bitter and sweet, you know, for me because in, in one hand, um, Jesus, you know, is saying these great words about John the Baptist, but these disciples of John the Baptist did not make it on time to jail to tell John the Baptist all the things that Jesus is saying about him. But if you continue to read uh, the chapter, chapter 11, you will hear that as they are leaving to go and tell the news to John the Baptist, Jesus turns around and starts speaking to the multitudes of people about how great John the Baptist is. Not only that, but Jesus tells people a compliment that we don't even talk about it that much, but it's one of the greatest compliments a person can ever receive. And Jesus said in, in chapter 11 that out of every man ever being born out of a woman, he said, there has not been somebody as great as John the Baptist. But he wasn't able to hear that compliment. So I want to share three things with you about the scripture that I think is the compliment that you will never hear. Number one, I want you to take in your mind that you are doing better than you think you are. A lot of us, you know, come to church. We have had difficult weeks. The Bible says that there's an accuser who is constantly accusing you in the eyes of God. He's the one that is saying negative things about you in the eyes of God, before God, in the presence of God. So if the devil is the accuser, I, as a child of God, I want to be the complimenter. I want to be the one who gives compliments to people. I want to be the one who gives encouragement to people. Because you are here in this church today, you could be somewhere else. You could be having fun, you know, at the beach. You could be shopping at the mall. You could be, you know, watching TV, watching sports. But you decided to come to church and listen to us speak about the word of God and worship God. So you are doing way better than you think you are doing. 
But it is the enemy, the one that is telling you, you are not enough. You messed up last week. You always messed up. Why are you coming to church? But you are doing way better than you think you are. Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters because uh, in the chapter you can find about 28 seasons that we all go through life. Uh, Ecclesiastes says uh, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to be sad, there's a time to plant and there's a time to stop planting, uh, there's a time to, to see and, and a time to you know, not see or close your eyes, but you see there's a time for this and a time for that, there's a time for this and a time for that, 28 different seasons in a human's life, but the word that you will never see in that chapter is that there's a time to quit. The children of God do not quit. You don't quit. We don't quit following God only because the enemy is bringing all this baggage, you know, into your mind that you are not enough, that you already messed up in your life. You are probably doing better than you think you are. And maybe John the Baptist, when he was in chains, maybe he was feeling, does my life really matter, God? I mean, I did all these great things for you. I used to pray, and I used to baptize people, and you chose me to do this great thing of introducing Jesus to the world, but now I'm in this prison. Now I'm in these chains. Does my life really matter? And many people, maybe even some people here in the church feel that they are in a prison right now. Maybe you feel that you are in a prison where you cannot escape. Maybe living in a prison of depression, living in a prison of remorse, living in a prison where your finances are broke, completely broke, or your family is going nuts, your family is being separated, or maybe going through divorce. Whatever your prison is, I want you to know that if you stay focused on Jesus, you are doing better than you think you are. Do you know that it takes 72 muscles to smile, and it takes 108 muscles in your face to frown. It is actually easier to smile than to frown. Come on, give me your best smile. It is easier to be happy than to be unhappy. So what I want you to do is, I want you to get lazy, and I want you to start smiling. Because you are doing better than you think you are. Look, Agape Church. Look, the enemy is whipping people every day, even, maybe even you. The enemy is telling you that you're not good enough. The enemy is telling you that you are messed up. That you can never recover from your past. And the enemy is bringing all these negative thoughts into your life. We as a church, we have to become encouragers of other people. Because you never know when the person next to you might be suffering a spiritual downturn. And you need to lift them up. You need to let them know, hey, your life matters. Hey, you matter at the church. We miss you at the church. God has a plan for you. Whatever you do, I want you to know that your life is important for Christ. And he has a plan for you. So today, you are doing better than you think you are. Number two, I want you to know that your life matters more than you think it does. You matter more than you think you, you, are, you do. There's a, a, a portion in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, uh, verse 6 and 7, that it is just amazing. I don't think I gave Malathi the full scripture. 
But Isaiah chapter 41, verse 6 and 7 says, They help each other and say to their companions, Be strong. The metal worker encouraged the goldsmith, and the one who smooths with the hammer spars on the one who strikes the anvil. One says on the welding, it is good. The other one nails down the idol so it will not topple. So Isaiah is telling a story about a group of people who whatever the job they're doing, they are encouraging each other. They are giving themselves words of encouragement. And I think Agape Church, this is what we need to do in our church. We need to say, hey, Mino, you matter to God and you're doing a great job. Hey, Lanto, you matter to God and you're doing a great job. Hey, uh, Adam, over there, you matter to God and you're doing a great job. Hey, the singing was good. You matter to God. Thank you for what you're doing. Hey, raising the offering. It may not be like a big deal, but you stood up and you were probably praying for the offering. You're doing a good job. Malathy, nobody sees you over there on the back, but you're doing a great job. We need to become encouragers of each other. Look, people like, you know, why do people go to bars? You know, I, I, people go to bars because they want to be happy. You know, they, they, they don't say, hey, the church is empty today, so let's, let's go and have coffee at the church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to somebody so they give me the keys and let's go hang out at the church. No, people go to bars. What do you think our church will be like if each one of you, we start encouraging and complimenting each other all the time? If we start telling each other, hey, you know, your work matters, your life matters, your ministry matters, the, the, the finances you give matters, hey, coming to your church on Sunday matters, the singing matters, the clapping matters, hey, your wisdom matters, hey, your personality matters, hey, you as a couple matter, hey, you just graduated, you matter to God, hey, you're doing such a great job with your children, you matter to God. If we start doing that, people will realize that, yes, their life matters more than they think they do. I think sometimes, you know, we ask the same questions. When we are going through a prison in our lives, we start thinking, God, does my life really matter? Do people even care about me? Do you know that in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Bible says that one time, Jesus went up to a mountain that is called the mountain of the transfiguration. And Moses and Elijah came down and Jesus started talking to them about his death, his future death. And I believe that maybe Jesus was probably asking himself the same question. Look, you are going to die for people who don't care about you. You're going to die for people who they don't want to follow you 100%. You're going to die for people that they're not even asking you to come. You're going to die for people that they, will not, they want nothing to do with you. So Jesus was probably asking himself the same question. But when he began talking to Moses and Elijah, maybe Moses said, you know what, Jesus, I gave my life completely to the ministry and to the people of Israel and at the end if it hasn't been because I did all that they wouldn't be in the promised land so I had to die and maybe Elijah say yes Jesus uh, in order for Elijah to receive a double portion of the Holy Spirit I had to be taken up to heaven I had to disappear it may look like a loss in the moment but the earnings what you get out of it the reward is way 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 greater because what you're doing does really matter in the eyes of God. 
So whatever you're going through right now in your life, I want you to know that your life matters. A few years ago, I was working in a college as an admissions counselor, and I see this young kid. Um, he was probably about 20. You know, he looked a little dirty. Um, he looked like a, like a homeless kid. And I started the process of enrollment, you know, so that he would go to college. And I, he took a test, like an admissions test. He got 100%, like all the math questions, you know, he passed perfect. And I talked to him, and I said, man, you have a lot of potential. It's like I've never seen like a perfect score here at the school, and you just got it, you like, like in two hours. So two weeks pass. I never hear from him again. I'm looking for him. His phone is disconnected. I call his mom, and then when I call his mom, she says, oh, you don't know what happened to my son? And I said, no, I don't know what happened. So he was feeling very depressed, and last weekend, uh, he went to North Hollywood. A train was coming. And when the train was coming, he jumped into the rails, and you know the rest of the story. He committed suicide. And that made me think, you know, that a lot of people, even though they're doing good things, they don't feel like their life really matters. And I want to I wanna finish, you know, with this thought that, number three, it's less about you than you think. A lot of times, you know, in our problems and situations, we only think about me. Oh, me, Lord. Why me? Why are you doing this to me? I go to church. I do this. I do that. But why me? Why again? Why not the other person? Do you know that the purpose of God is there's another viewpoint. If you read Ephesians uh Chapter 4 in Ephesians 6.10, you will notice that there's another viewpoint, the perspective of God in what's happening in your life. It is more important what happens in you than what happens to you because God cares about the soul. We usually care more about our circumstances. One day, there was a man who was driving a, a car. He was driving on the freeway. You probably heard the story before. His car broke down. He didn't know what to do. He was trying to mess with the car. And a limousine was coming. And this man dressed up in a suit like, like a million-dollar suit, got off the car, introduced himself to the man, and said, you know what? Get into the driver's seat. When I give you a sign to start the car, start the car, let me work on this. So the man started, you know, messing with the car and gave the sign to the driver, and he started the car, and the car sounded so good. So the driver came, and he said, man, who are you? Why, why do you come, and, I mean, you're in a limousine. You look like a millionaire, uh, well-dressed, and now you come to help me, and how do you know about cars? And he said, well, I am the inventor of this car. I created it. My name is Henry Ford. And when I see that one of my cars is not working, it bothers me. So have a good day. And you know what? God is the same. When our lives are not functioning, when our lives are not working, he wants to fix us. He wants to help us. But remember, it's not always about you. It's about his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today, Lord God, for how good you are. I pray right now, Lord God, for anybody who needs encouragement today, whatever they are in life, maybe they need encouragement, Lord God, spiritually. 
I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will go and touch them and visit them, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will show them, Lord God, through, through whatever means necessary, how important their lives is to you. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that for those of us who might be experiencing trials, while we may be thinking that you have abandoned us, that you are not with us, that maybe you forgot about us, you are possibly bragging on us, Lord God, in heaven, saying, look at my child, how he's making it, how he's fighting, how he has become a warrior, how he's looking for me with prayer. Just like in the case of Job, Lord God, he lost his family, his possession, his kids, everything. And he said God gave and God took away and he was okay with it. But at the end, Lord God, he proved himself to be faithful and love you in good circumstances and in negative circumstances. And you gave him back what he had lost. I pray, Lord God, that we will see the value, the encouragement that we will never hear, Lord God. Is probably that encouragement that you are saying right now about us. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In the name of Jesus, amen.